You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco here tonight. James, thank you very much for joining me. No problem. You know, it brings us back to some old times when we were in the studio, Tom, me and you doing some shows together. Yeah, you know, it kind of feels like we've been in this, uh, you know, scenario once before, back to the old days from two years ago. Folks, remember, uh, if you want to watch our show tonight and subscribe to our content, uh, remember to follow us here on Facebook at Review and Preview Sports. Give us a thumbs up. Follow us on Instagram at Review and Preview. Subscribe to the audio version of our podcast on anchor.fm slash Review and Preview. And then as you can see on the ticker below, so subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. You can see it right there. So me and Paul Lombardi, a guest that we have on from time to time, did a uh, NBA mock draft preview earlier today that is up on YouTube. We are sharing that, promoting that. So make sure to check that out if you want to find out where we think some of you know the top NBA prospects may go in tonight's draft. And James, um, it's crazy because the New York Giants, who we're going to talk about first tonight, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about them and some of the other games. But we have a very, very special guest tonight and that's cleveland browns founder and ceo of cleveland sports talk zach shafferin he will be joining us at 7 30 p.m so james i want to get to you uh giants win this game 27 to 17 the first time beating philadelphia since 2016 how did it feel oh it felt phenomenal i mean it's about time we beat philly we should have really beat them the first time we met them, but as we know, we lost that one. Um, it was great to see a very nice team effort. Not that I'm saying we haven't had a team effort in a while from the Giants, but there was no mistakes, like no fumbles, no no big drop passes, no big in- interceptions. It was a well-played game. I would happen to agree with that. I think – the fact that we didn't have any turnovers was big. It was actually Daniel Jones' second game in a row without turning the ball over, which was really nice to see. And I think if Daniel Jones goes on to have a successful career, which I, I think he will, I'm one of the people that are sold on him. I mean, we see what he could do in a clean pocket. This game against Philadelphia was really his signature win yes. so far in the NFL. You're going to look back at this game, Week 10, 2020, and say, hey, this was the game where Daniel Jones put his face on the map saying, hey, show me some respect on the Giants quarterback. Uh, 84.2 PFF grade, and it's crazy. He was a perfect 18 of 18 from a clean pocket. How outstanding is that, James? That's phenomenal. Um, Tom, back to your old saying around last year when we were in the studio, probably two years ago along, uh, Excellent work. I would give uh, Daniel Jones that badge of honor. Excellent work from you. Um, listen, I even said it earlier in this season that 
it would take a. I, I was kind of hoping it would take only five to seven weeks to see the offensive line kind of gel with all new pieces together. It's taken a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I'm glad that we're finally able to see it. Because if we weren't able to see it by now, it would just be terrible. I agree. Uh, Andrew Hopper says hello. Shout out to Andy and the Brute Party. Up, Make sure to go check his stuff out and his content. He did a fantastic doubleheader for Monday Night Football two days ago, interviewing Caitlin Leaner, a Bears fan, and our very own Gabe Flayton, a Minnesota Vikings fan. Make sure to go check out those exclusive interviews on his page at the Brew Party. He does some great stuff over there. And Hank, been a while since I've legitimately been thrilled about a Giants win. Looking forward to discussing in-depth tomorrow on Big Blue Avenue, which will air tomorrow night, 7 to 8. 30 p.m. That is the exclusive uh, Giants football show with myself and Hank. So we will go more into depth about the Giants there. Andy comments again saying Giants are 7-2 and against the spread this season with the eye emoji. James, Giants have defied a lot of odds so far in 2020. They really have, and it started once Sparkly went down in a sense. Uh, Everybody thought that's it, the offense is done. We bring in Freeman while he's injured. Wayne Gallman, I can tell you, you guys will probably touch more on him tomorrow. Um, but he's he's been looking good. I picked him up on my fantasy team on Sunday. I was surprised that he was even still there. Um, that like nobody picked him up, like yourself or anybody else. Oh, um, no, Gallman? Gallman, yeah. He's He's been a nice filler to fill this spot. Um, he's also one of the bright spots of this offense uh, on so- with Slayton, with Mac as well. So some good pieces we were putting together. So quick thing about Wayne Gallman. I was actually going to pick him up, but I decided not to. So I had – so, okay, I picked up Wayne Gallman on Wednesday, but then okay. I wasn't sure if Devontae Freeman was going to play, and I had other needs last week, so I dropped Wayne Gallman mm-hmm. and picked up somebody else. Um, I, I ended up winning, so it, it really didn't matter. But, uh, but yeah, shout out to you for picking up Wayne Gallman. He scored a touchdown in four straight games, rushing touchdown in four straight. And, hey, that's a credit to the way Joe Judge has been coaching this team. He has them in every game. Correct. I think Correct. the Eagles are probably the more talented team, but the Giants are the better coached team. And we saw that. Doug Peterson, very questionable decision going for it. Uh in the third quarter, it was a two-point conversion where the Eagles narrowed the deficit. I think late third quarter, early fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah, like that, I want to say. Mm-hmm. What else do we got? Uh, you talked about the O line. So the Giants actually went out of their way to fire their offensive line coach Mark Colombo today after an altercation with head coach Joe Judge, and the Giants replaced him with. Dave Guglielmo, who is a former assistant of the team under Tom Coughlin. He was the Giants' assistant O-line coach for a while, and he was an assistant under Bill Belichick as well. In fact, this was a guy the Giants tried to bring in back in January, and they were unable to do so. So then they reverted to Mark Colombo. What are your thoughts on this transaction going down today? You know, I I wasn't really paying too much attention to everything that was going on today. I was I had stuff to, go, to do, but when I saw it, I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, why did we just fire our offensive line coach that has brought us a, 
offensive line that's doing pretty well. But then, Tom, you were filling me in a little bit before the show started. Mm -hmm. Um, Supposedly, they got into some type of argument along those lines. Um, And then, I guess, Joe's like, okay. It was more than that. It was more than that. Why, folks, has the offensive line gotten better over the course of the last couple of weeks? Because Joe Judge is working directly with them. When they were struggling, they were stagnant. It was just Colombo. Colombo just he needed some help, and Joe Judge brought up the idea of bringing in Dave to help him out, and the way Colombo reacted to that was the reason why Colombo was fired. Okay. This is what I'm hearing. There, I know there's a lot of fake news out there nowadays, but this is the real reason why am I and what it's been reported that yeah. uh, Colombo is no longer our line coach. And Dave Guglielmo, I think, will do a fine job. Hopefully, uh, it doesn't downgrade the Giants in any way. And Andy Hopper, uh, another comment: James Bradbury having a hell of a year. I agree. He held yes. Travis Fulgham to one catch for eight yards. Uh, the Eagles' top receiver, second-year guy, who we'll talk more about um, Travis Fulgham and James Bradbury on tomorrow night's show on Big Blue Avenue. Make sure to check that out, folks, Thursday, 7 p.m. Um, and then Hank has another comment. Third quarter. Oh, oh sorry. Got into a clicking match Perfect, there. Yep. <laughs> and in Hank's opinion, that decision was when I knew they were winning the game. Oh, when Doug Peterson failed on the two-point attempt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was Hank brings up an excellent point. That was a big turnaround. Some of his calls I was a little little confused about. You know, we I've always learned as you know a fan that you always want to go for the points, even if it's a point because of a you know because of a touchdown because you don't know where that point might be helpful come the end of the game. Um, obviously, the the Giants had a wider lead than the last game we played the Eagles. But um, some interesting play calls from uh, the Eagles side. But you know what? We still got the W. So a quick reminder, just in about 20 minutes, Cleveland Browns founder and CEO uh, of Cleveland Sports Talk. I meant to include in the banner. Zach Shaffrin will join be joining us at 730 p.m. Uh, really looking forward to that. And James, uh, another, another fun fact was the Giants defense held Philadelphia uh, 0 for 9 on third down. Take me through the defense. Patrick Graham has done a fantastic job with the Giants. He has done a phenomenal job where it starts up up front because normally up front we've seen is the weakness. We could go to our secondary, which is the weakness. Having Bradbury's there is phenomenal, able to lock somebody down. When we get McKinney back, hopefully after our bye week, which is this week, um, He'll also help that defense rise to the next next level. Um, he might have some bad starts only because it's he he was injured and you know he has to get acclimated. But I'm fine with that. Um, but Williams uh, up front, Blake Martinez, you know some of those guys that especially Williams, we didn't think he was going to be very good. Right. Because we're like, why did they sign him a fran- uh, franchise tag? Right. It should have been somebody else. Yeah. But he's shown this season what he's kind of made of, or what yeah. what everybody was expecting him to be when he when they were, when we brought him over. Um, so it's nice to see that Blake Martinez just flying over the field. The defensive coach, the defensive coaching system, whether it's uh, DB coaches, linebacker coaches, 
uh, safety coaches, they've all done a phenomenal job. Um, and the defense has always kind of been the strong suit for the New York Giants. Yeah. Um, we saw with Coughlin's era, um, but it's nice to see that the that caliber of defense is still staying up to where us Giant fans expect it. And this was the first time Philadelphia did not convert a third down against the Giants since 2004, which is insane. And another highlight of this game was Riley Dixon had a career-long 71-yard punt. Yes. Um, and we, uh, he was fantastic. Big Red, we like to call him Big on Red. Blue Avenue. And another comment from Andy. I got you. Oh, sorry. Oh, another clicking match. <laughs> Thoughts on – I'm so used to doing it from my other show. Uh, thoughts on DeAndre Baker signing with Kansas City. Hmm. James, I'll let you take that. So, for him, you know, I thought he was going to Dallas only because, as records show, Dallas likes to pick up the some guys that have, yeah. you know, run law trouble in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised he's gone to KC, um, but you know what? It's a practice squad. I don't know if we'll see him on the field at all unless somebody gets hurt. He might be an addition because since the rosters have expanded with the IR or COVID list, um, he might just be there to fill a spot in case they need him. Good for him that everything, you know, legally came out okay in a sense, but uh, I didn't want him back on the Giants anyway. Um, because it just would have looked bad. So my take on DeAndre Baker is this, Andy, and I think it's important to know that he was a first-round pick uh, in the 2019 draft. This guy is not somebody that you can just walk away and say, oh, it's easy to get rid of him. The Giants were are financially crippled by DeAndre Baker. They still owe yeah. the man a lot of money. And, uh, you know, was he innocent? Well, we're, we're not really going to know. Uh, you know, the, the lawyer turned out to be a real nut job, so that kind of worked in DeAndre Baker's favor. Um, so all the charges were, were, were dropped. Was that the correct decision? Well, I don't know that I'm not a lawyer. I can't really give you my opinion on that, but, um, I think he's gonna, again, it's a low risk, high reward type of thing for Kansas city. This could turn out to be really great for them under some better, uh, defensive coaches. Baker really wasn't, um, good in James Betcher's system last year. And now a lot of people had high hopes from with Patrick Graham. And then unfortunately this thing. Uh, steamrolled through, and it, and he says, right, hard to walk away from a first-round pick from a year ago. It's yeah. definitely not something that's easy at all. The Giants had to do it back in 2012, not walk away, but when David Wilson had that career-ending neck injury. That that hurt. It did he, hurt. He was a good player. He was a good he guy. Um, but we even see it with Eli Apple as another first-rounder. You know, us Giants fans have kind of gone through that phase, in a sense, seeing – First rounders be successful somewhere else or end up somewhere else, but all good. The alleged victims were in fact arrested for extortion. Uh, yes, so that's that's another transcending story that we'll have to keep an eye on moving forward to see if yep. there's any more uh, motion on that. But you know, back to the Giants, I think it was great. Graham Gano ended up getting a contract extension right after this game through 2023. It's well-deserved. The man's hit 20 field goals in a row. I know yep. we like watching him kick. If we remember, we used to have a kicker from Scotland by the name of Lawrence Tynes, who was ecstatic to see another Scottish born player get that contract extension. Uh, oh, but he did, sure. But he did 
test positive for COVID-19. Luckily, we have a bye week. Otherwise, we'd probably be promoting Ryan Santoso from the practice squad. Yeah. So our bye week came at the right time, in, in a sense. 100%. Yeah, because uh, Riley, Riley Dixon and Casey Kreider were also added to COVID-19 IR. They did not yes. test positive, but they did come in close contact with Gano, which makes sense. They're always the punter, kicker, and long snapper are a trio that are always together, folks. So, uh, you know, if you put one on the COVID list, you should probably put the other two on. Um, other news, I think Joe Judge, this was his best moment as a head coach so far, this win against Philadelphia. We'll, we'll get more into that tomorrow night on Big Blue Avenue. But last couple things I'm going to say about the Giants is that it's going to be a very interesting bye week because Tate Crowder, O'Shane Zimenez, and Ryan Lewis are all healing up three players the Giants could use on the defensive yep. side of the ball, James. Uh, the Giants struggled against the run on Sunday, which is somewhat of a surprise. Uh, I think – being able to stop the run is critical, but again, Miles Sanders is a tough running back to deal with. And realistically, I think these assumptions are kind of fluffed and it's an overreaction in a sense, because majority of the rushing yards for Philadelphia did come on a 56 yard touchdown run by Boston Scott. So if you yes. take that one run away by Boston Scott, we're talking about the giants holding Philadelphia team to under hundred yards rushing. For sure. And we also have to look at it like this. Phillies, for whatever reason, they've always able to been able to run against us mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, I'm not too overly concerned because we made it through nine weeks and we've slowed down a lot of people. We've slowed down yeah. Zeke. We, I, especially Zeke is like the number one guy um, in our division right now um, mm-hmm. for our running back. And we were able to slow him down. So I'm really not too concerned um, other than that 50. Uh, uh, somewhat yard play, but people just need to chill out. You there, Tom? Yes, I'm there. Sorry, you were lagging a little bit. Okay. On, on your yeah, end. no, my uh, screen had the circle thing. That's why I. Uh, yeah, I know there's a lot of issues. Uh, Kyle Russo, in fact, was having weather issues the other night, but with his connection. But anyway, um, another thing that goes unnoticed, speaking of which, why it's good to have the bye week this week, is that Kevin Zeitler did leave the game with a concussion, probably our most equipped offensive lineman that we do have. But. Let's go on to some of the other 1 o'clock games before our guest, Zach Schaffrin from ClevelandSportsTalk.com, joins us at 7.30. That's going to be a fun interview to conduct. Make sure you stick with us through that. Let's get to the Colts and Titans quickly here. It was a Thursday night football game. The Colts ended up winning by a score of 34-17. to Shocked a lot of people, James. I think Gabe might have been the only person that ended up picking the Colts. I believe so. We'll double check when uh, we do our quick picks, but I believe so. I was even surprised um, because I have the Colts defense on one of my fantasy teams and I sat them because I'm like, well, you got King Henry on the other side that can destroy a game, destroy a defense. So I'm like, I got to sit, but they, from defense to offense, they look very good. They may be a team to watch out for. And that's big because they did lose safety Malik Hooker to a season-ending injury early on in the season. And the Colts have 
they've had the Titans number. Uh, you know, since 1998, the Colts are 28 and nine against the Titans in the regular season. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And Andy Hopper asked another question. Who are you guys looking at in the NBA draft tonight? Tom, great draft segment earlier. Thank you, Andy. Uh, I know it's long. Me and Paul kind of went into depth. Um, so I, I'm looking at guys like James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball. Uh, as far as the Knicks go, expect to see Devin Vassell drafted. If Tyrese Halliburton is still on the board, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks snag him. Uh, however, I think Devin Vassell is the best fit for Tom Thibodeau, a guy who could come into the system immediately, 3 and D type of guy, as were Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I don't necessarily think the Knicks should go after a point guard at number eight. I think they should address it later on in the first round, maybe at 23, but we will see what happens there. So... Um, Thank you very much for the comment, Andy. Um, and then just going over another couple games quick before we bring Zach up to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Michael Pittman, the rookie wide receiver for the Colts, had over 100 receiving yards, James. He was really great. He shined. He's starting to come into his own a little bit, which is good. He's starting to develop some chemistry with Phillip Rivers. Yes. And, yeah, it's just insane. Now the Titans have lost three out of their – last four games after starting five and oh yeah i'm trying to figure out what this ripple effect is here you know i i can't figure it out because last year we always said they were in the mix um well fonz we had fonz on which is a, which is a very big ravens fan um but the titans haven't seen themselves derrick mm-hmm. henry hasn't really exploded in a few yeah. weeks um so that's that's not really that's concerning but not really, um, in a sense. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to take away from this Tennessee team because who knows? In two weeks, they could just be winning games again. And they do, in fact, play the Ravens this week, so that'll be fun to watch and observe. The Washington football team lost at the Detroit Lions 32-27. After trailing 24-3, they came back. Alex Smith threw for nearly 400 yards, but – Matt Prater hit a game-winning 59-yard field goal as time expires. That really helped me in fantasy this week, so I, I was happy <laughs> to see that. Um, and Matthew Stafford was able to drive the ball down the field with, what was it, like under 30 seconds left? I believe so. There was a, there was an, I think there was an unnecessary roughness on Chase Young that helped Detroit get across midfield. So okay. that was key. That uh, Alex Smith looked good. I mean, me and Russo were talking on the side a few weeks ago, maybe even on the show uh, when me and Russo was doing it. Alex Smith, um, he might be – he's a starter for sure. Um, it's great to see him put up those numbers uh, now. Um, I would like to see him continue that in a sense, but we'll have to see. Bless you, by the way. Thank you, James. I <laughs> appreciate it. Um, but anyway, yeah, you're right. Alex Smith could – if he's able to come back from that injury and be the same quarterback that he once was, I think it'll benefit Washington a lot because before his injury two years ago, Washington was six and three. Yes, so they were. They were atop the division. And another couple games here, two more games, and then we will talk about the Cleveland Browns with Zach 
Shaffron joining us at 7.30 p.m. The Bucks and the Panthers. This was a huge game for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones had the illustrious 98-yard touchdown run. Tampa Bay wins 46-23. I believe that was uh, – Trying to think, that might have been was that the longest run in NFL history? I that, read that somewhere. That was the longest run. Um, the announcer said it, and then I saw it on I forget what, probably NFL Fox or something like, I believe. Um, but I believe it is the longest run. I mean, I I am sitting on my bench. I, I I saw that, and you still won. I still won, but I I wouldn't have to go into Monday night sweating yeah. for the win, but. To get back on this game, um, Jones looked good. Tampa Bay finally got everybody involved in a sense. They got Gronk. They got Evans. They got Brad. I, I mean, that wide receiver, of course, stack. So, if you get everybody involved. Um, Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater is okay with his knee, right? Um, I know he had a knee thing. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what his situation is. If he was to miss time, they'd have to bring in – P.J. Walker, who played in the XFL. Uh, I know McCaffrey's unlikely to play. Bridgewater uh, still has an uncertain status, and there's no really timetable yet on him. So he's questionable for Sunday at the moment. Uh, So that'll be interesting to monitor over the week. But he is okay. It's nothing too serious. So that's good. And then the last game, Jacksonville at Green Bay, the last 1 o'clock game. We'll go over, and Green Bay won 24-20. They are now 7-2 and two for the second straight year in a row. But uh, Rodgers and the Packers did not look great. Uh, you know, Tanyan dropped the pass. It was just really disgusting to watch because Jacksonville was right there with them, neck and neck with a backup quarterback in Jake Luton. I mean, that's not okay, James. That tells you that, you know, similar to Seattle, can we really trust Green Bay either now, you know? No, you you bring up a very valid point because when you think when you saw this game on paper, be like Green Bay should be able to blow them out, like very easily. Um, No, I don't know if Green Bay was playing down to their opponent because some teams that are playing a worse worser team than they are, they like to play down for whatever reason. I don't know if Green Bay did that, but that was a little frightening to see. Uh, Tom, you did bring up a perfect example with Seattle um, because Seattle should be able to win a lot of games. We saw that against Buffalo. Um, They should have won that game, but they didn't. Uh, And we'll discuss their game later on uh, from last week. But Green Bay always has a good start finishing. Right now they're 7-2. and I want to see really how far they go because you you know how it is. Each season – they have a phenomenal record. They aren't able to finish. Yeah, no, 100%. I agree. I think Green Bay, you know, they have a tough matchup against the Colts. I think that's a game they could potentially lose on the road. And uh, Andy has one quick comment. I would take Joe Brady as the Bears head coach right now. Uh, yeah, I would, especially with the way the Bears offense is looking. However, uh, I think it's important to note that you want – you want a good coach. You don't just want a good mind, which is something that I personally know as a Giants fan, having gone through Shermer and McAdoo, they were intelligent minds. Joe Judge is an intelligent coach. So I I think Joe Brady, again, he's a hot target. He's going to become a head coach eventually. And I do think the Bears should look at him. 
or a guy like Eric Bieniemy, you know, one of those guys that have done really, you know, great jobs with their offenses. And Joe Brady would, would be an excellent candidate for that position. But at this time, we're going to bring up our guest. And Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you guys uh, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So you are the founder and CEO of Cleveland Sports Talk, and you work for ClevelandSportsTalk.com, correct? Yeah, uh, ClevelandSportsTalk.com. Um, yeah, I am the founder and CEO of that brand, and we've been around for nearly 10 years now, and we cover all the Cleveland teams, obviously including the Cleveland Browns. And yeah, it's really a, a pleasure. Um, it's a lot of fun to see uh, various writers progress um, and get to express themselves through a uh, platform. Everybody volunteers. So it's not necessarily like a business, but it's more so a hobby or just a place where fans get to kind of come together and uh, express their um true fandom and love for the game and, and our Cleveland teams. That sounds like a lot of fun and sounds like an interesting thing to do on the side. And now I want to get to you here with this Browns game from Sunday. They beat mm-hmm. the Houston Texans 10 to seven, a game that started with a weather delay. And this was the fewest points scored in a Browns win since 2012. I've got to ask you, what was your – I'm just going to get right into it. What was your reaction to the Nick Chubb run out of bounds in Sunday's game, not allowing Houston to get the ball back? Okay, so my reaction originally was that it was a, a smart move. Um, I think technically – the best move would have been to like slide down within the five yard line. So the clock would keep running and not go out of bounds, but the idea is still the same. He went out of bounds that way. Baker could just kneel the ball two, three times and thus ending the game. But everybody is saying, Oh, Nick Chubb is the most selfless player and and this and that. But what I find kind of funny and almost ironic is the amount of attention that Nick Chubb has gotten for running out of bounds is way more than he would have gotten for just scoring the touchdown like a, a normal play. And so I find that interesting. But it was a smart move. It was the right move. And obviously the Browns won the game. So I was happy with it. Yeah, you know, it's definitely great to see Cleveland doing well. They are 6-3, and three, which is a record that they have not seen since 2014, I want to say. So that's definitely a good mark in that competitive AFC North. Now, you brought up Nick Chubb, his, his rushing in this game. He ran for 126 yards over six and a half yards a clip, and Kareem Hunt, again, Another 100-yard rusher in this game, five and a half yards per carry. And the Browns, they outrushed the Texans 231 to 90. This is the first pair of Browns teammates to each have 100-plus rushing yards since Ernie Green and Hall of Famer Leroy Kelly back in 1966. Uh, 
But going back to the fourth quarter, Nick Chubb had a nine-yard score. That was actually the first rushing touchdown for the, I want to say, for the Browns since week four. That's really hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, it is really hard to believe. But, of course, um, Nick Chubb did sustain that injury, which had him out a, a few weeks. And I know that Kareem Hunt has had success in the past with the Kansas City Chiefs. But I believe he's just not on the same level as Nick Chubb. And so I think that has a lot to do with why they did not have any touchdowns or anything like that. But something else that I will say is the Browns. I feel that the offense is still not 100% where it can be, where it should be. And that statistic that you just brought up about rushing touchdowns really goes to show that this team still has a long way to go. I believe they have the potential to be great, um, even without Odell Beckham Jr. But, yeah, they're still not where they need to be in order to be a successful offensive team. James, you're up. All righty. So um, we know Baker Mayfield only threw for 132 yards, but the Browns' identity is using their two-headed monster. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mayfield in year three? Is this your guy, or do you see him uh, just holding a spot to the right guy comes along? Yeah, this is a – question that is debated on uh, Cleveland sports, media, radio, um, anywhere you go, people are kind of, they have mixed feelings about Baker because he has shown at times that he could be this great NFL quarterback. And obviously he was great in college. And that's why he was picked number one by the Browns in the first place. And then there are times where he makes these throws and these decisions, and it just has you scratching your head. And that is not acceptable for a quarterback that wants to lead a team not only to the playoffs, but even further along, and maybe even to, if I could say the S word, a Super Bowl uh, one year in the near future. So I believe that the majority of fans are still on the Baker Mayfield train, but I think there is a bit of uh, just kind of um, trying to think of the right word, but I guess nervousness that he doesn't have all the tools needed to win especially if he were to get the opportunity and say the playoffs or even deeper in the playoffs. Right. And then that's a good point too. And I, I think the offensive line's done a tremendous job at keeping Baker Mayfield upright this year. You guys have yes. an outstanding offensive line. It's one of the best in the NFL. In fact, JC Treader is the second ranked center on pro football focus. Wyatt Teller is the number one ranked guard overall and in run blocking. And Joel Batonio is the fifth ranked guard number one in pass blocking. And then you have the ninth ranked tackle in Jack Conklin that you acquired in free agency. How impressive is this unit, Zach? It's, it's historically great. 
Yeah, the offensive line has been absolutely incredible, like you just said. And I know we were talking about the running backs and how great they've been. I think part of that obviously has to do with how great the offensive line is, excuse me, as well. I believe that this offensive line paired with the right surrounding players really has the potential to do great things. And as you just mentioned, each spot the the player is able to hold his own and really give the Browns an opportunity to make a play, if, whether it's just a simple handoff or if it's some creative play action, fake reverse or something along those lines. So it all starts with the offensive line. And I think that the Browns really have the tools needed to win in that area. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I would happen to agree. I don't know if Tom's frozen or not. He looks frozen. No, I'm good. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, Zach, I got a question. Uh, knowing yes. Odell Beckham's injury history and him needing knee surgery, which I believe he's recovering now. I think he had surgery last week. Um, how do you feel that it this impacts the current receivers on the roster? As no pl- no one player has no as no player had more than three catches on Sunday. So with Odell out, you guys bring him in from us from the New York Giants as a big star, um, and then he's he's injured. Right? How do you feel about that? knowing that you have Jarvis Landry that doesn't have a TD in nine games this season, uh, knowing Kareem Hunt is actually leads the Browns in four touchdowns receiving. How, how do you feel about this? Well, right. Uh, everybody remembers that iconic Odell Beckham catch with the one hand when he was with you guys. And the reason I bring that up is every opposing team – knows just how much of a a threat Odo Beckham truly is. And so when he was injured, it obviously took away a huge amount of the Browns receiving offense. Now, some people were saying that him being out may actually help Baker because it will alleviate some of the pressure on him to get the ball to Odell and to make sure that he was – a part of the offense. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I, I did not think that was true because I feel that like you guys were saying, it has shown that he's not on the field and not only with his own statistics, but like I was saying, just the fact of him being there, defenses have to account for him. And, and when that happens, it opens up the rest of the field for the other receivers, and that just makes the Browns receiving core that much deadlier, whereas now with Odell out because of said injury, they're just not able to have that type of threat. And and, and you can tell it really does hurt the team, and it hurt the team in the Houston game, and I think it's going to continue to hurt the team for the rest of of the year. 
before I get to my next question, what what's your thoughts on Rashad Higgins? Hollywood Higgins. Yeah, he's uh, one of the guys that I'd say is a fan favorite. I think that he's the type of guy that is forgotten, basically the exact opposite of an Odell Beckham, so to speak. He's kind of a guy that you forget about, and then all of a sudden on a, say, third and, and 15, he's the guy that makes the big play for the first down or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always been a reliable target for Baker, and he's definitely a favorite in Cleveland for sure. So more of like your Cole Beasley kind of guy that kind of gets you the, the tough yardage or the exactly l- bigger right. yardages when – you need it. Yes. Um, so Deshaun Watson held to 96, six, 163 yards passing, and Duke Johnson wasn't a huge factor. Cooks, F- F- Cooks, Fuller, Cobb, all under 45 receiving yards. How impressed are you with the defense? Do you, is this defense for real, or was that just a game that Houston wasn't good at? Definitely impressed with the defense, but I do feel like a lot of the struggles for both teams on Sunday's game had a lot to do with the weather and the swirling winds and the rain and uh, making the ball slippery and and whatnot. I am impressed with this Browns defense, especially two players, Miles Garrett, whom everybody knows um, could be defensive player of the year. And then Denzel Ward, the the cornerback. Um, those two are probably, um, not probably, they are the two best on the defense. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't think that the Browns' defense is like a a legendary defense, so mm-hmm. to speak. I think they're a a good defense. I think they can improve in some areas, right? As well, mm-hmm. but I I do feel like th- that defense is enough to carry this team to the playoffs for sure. So you brought up Miles Garrett, and I want to elaborate yeah. on that a little bit. Uh, I believe he leads the NFL with nine and a half sacks, as we know, and four forced fumbles. He became the quickest Browns player to achieve 40 career sacks. The whole defensive line is superb. I mean, you guys have Sheldon Richardson, who had a sack on Sunday. I believe you guys have Ogan Joby as well. He's a pretty solid player. Um, how fun is Miles Garrett to watch? And how do you think opposing defenses contain him? Because he seems like that type of guy that can break out at just any moment. Like he could be having an awful game, and then one or two plays, all all of a sudden his stat line just blows up. Miles Garrett is absolutely incredible, and I know everybody remembers the one poor judgment he had last year that uh, caused him to be suspended. But the reason I I bring that up is because he's done such an incredible job of bouncing back from such a, a, a horrible moment in his career. And now this year, he just makes it look so easy. And Mm -hmm. that is the most amazing part, I would say, about uh, Garrett in general is is 
not only is he so talented and, and such a uh, a a fantastic player, but the way he plays, he's so quick, he's so swift, and yet he also has that sort of girth and strength that allows him to get around offensive linemen and just attack the quarterback. And then he's also good against the run as well. He's just yeah. the entire combination. And full it pack. is, yeah, the full package. And he is just incredibly fun to watch as a fan of my team, of course. Another guy I want to point out, he's actually your leading tackler and a former Giant as well. That is B.J. Goodson, 65 tackles on the year with two interceptions. He's been a nice clog in the middle for you guys at the linebacker position. And then, of course, uh, who could forget about Olivier Vernon? He was our leading sack guy for a couple of years. Uh, Another former Giant on that defense. And Ronnie Harrison's a decent cover safety, I think, too, for you guys. It should be interesting. Uh, to see how they improve throughout the course of the season. But overall, this was a very low-scoring game where the Browns, they held the edge in time of possession, uh, and they held the edge in turnovers committed as well. They forced Houston to turn it over. Is this the style of Cleveland Browns football we should expect to see under new head coach Kevin Stefanski? Like, should we continue to see these low-scoring games where Baker doesn't throw it that much, mistake-free field football? I would hope not and and the reason why i say that is because okay so against a houston team that was two and six coming in and even though deshaun watson is is a good quarterback i felt like there was a chance that houston could compete with the browns and they did exactly that it was a very close game uh the final score was 10 to 7 within uh, five points of, of each other, obviously. And my fear is that if the dependence of the Browns ends up being on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, sure, it'll work in a game against Houston. But when you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, or the other difficult teams well those three are the difficult teams remaining on the schedule say they do make the playoffs you're going to be playing a tough team and you may not be able to just rely on on that type of play and it may be a high scoring game and I always say there's going to be a time where Baker Mayfield is going to have to prove it as a quarterback and he's not going to be able to just rely on his running backs like he did in this Houston game. That's a really good point. So, um, do you think the do you think the Browns look into into a bigger guy in like? Well, never mind. That question is not needed because DeAndre right, Baker <laughs> is uh, with Kansas City. That's so, right. We had that question for yep. you, and I had to scrap it out because he was signed by the Chiefs. But so, we're going to uh, see if you guys maybe want to bring it right. <laughs> So my next question would be, we saw what happened to the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Do you feel they are losing their touch? I think a little bit. I was very surprised to see them lose on Sunday Night Football. I've always felt like the Ravens are or were 
more hyped up than they should be. I know the Browns in week one got absolutely destroyed by them, but it's really hard to judge a game that is the the first of the season. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to when the Browns do play the Ravens in, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four weeks from now. I think that's going to be a great game. And, and that'll be a real indicator of where the Browns are at um, compared to their AFC North rival, the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, kind of picking piggyback off of that, Pittsburgh is still the only team undefeated right now in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Are they for real or taking average uh, advantage of low competition? I think uh, – uh, both points that you just said are true. And I believe that any team that has Ben Roethlisberger, even though he's aging, is going to be good as much as it uh, pains me to say that. Um, I've really grown up watching Roethlisberger just destroy us each and every game. So um, I do think the Steelers, Steelers are for real. I don't think they are at the caliber of, say, the Patriots team that won 16-0, but I definitely feel like they are um, a team that will be a force and definitely Super Bowl contenders and favorites at this point. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point because obviously all all the Browns and the Ravens are both 6-3 and three right now. Cleveland has a matchup against Philadelphia this weekend, as where Baltimore has a matchup against Tennessee. So if the cards fall into place, you guys could be in second place on Sunday at 7-3, and three, which would be insane. The, you know, the Browns would be in the driver's seat for one of those wild card spots all of yes. a sudden. Uh, speaking of that, Philadelphia is a team that, Obviously, we just beat. So if you could help help us out on Sunday, we would really appreciate it. Um, but anyway, uh, they're very shaky on offense, the Eagles are. But this is the healthiest that they've been all year. Obviously, you see Alshon Jeffrey healthy, Dallas Goddard is back, and Miles Sanders, one of the top backs in the league when healthy uh, at such a young age. What is your outlook on this game? Have you done much uh, digging into it for Sunday? Well, yes. Uh, the my first uh, point I'd like to make, and I noticed this while sort of looking into the game, is there's a 55 percent chance of rain, and so if the weather becomes a factor, it could look like a lot like the Houston game, where it's not your normal, typical football game. Um, what's amazing about the NFC East is just how. There really isn't a great team in the division. And so with that being said, the Eagles are 3-5-1, and one, and they are atop a of the division. But what I think that the Browns need to focus on most is, and, and this is, it's kind of hard to describe because Obviously, it was great to see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt each rush for over 100 yards, and that helped the team beat Houston last week. But my concern is, like we were just talking about, if you depend on the run, eventually it's going to turn around and bite you in the butt. And so what I want to see in this game 
is Baker Mayfield really have another excellent game and sort of find that touch that I know he has and, and other fans know he has, while at the same time still giving each of those running backs plenty of opportunity. So what I mean by that is just we can't expect a 100-yard game from each of them each week. Mm-hmm. And so this week I'd like to see a little bit more from Baker moving forward and then throughout the rest of the year. So speaking of Baker, and um, I'm in a two – so one of my two fantasy football leagues is a two-quarterback fantasy league, and Daniel Jones is on a bye this week. So I have Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield starting for me. We know Baker Mayfield had a five-touchdown pass game this year, not yes, too long ago. But do you – I mean, he's he's my only option. I like. Do, do you feel confident that he'll put up better numbers than last week? Maybe he'll throw a touchdown pass or two at least? Well, the thing is, as a Browns fan, what we want is for him to not have any interceptions. And right. I know that in fantasy football, that's not as big a deal as, say, throwing touchdown passes. Now, I'm a big believer in Baker, as I've said this entire podcast. I do feel he could have a big game and throw a few touchdown passes um, throughout the course of the contest but the biggest thing with Baker right now and I don't necessarily think that it's good that we have to have this attitude but is to limit the mistakes and so if he can have no interceptions again the Browns will have a really good chance to win but eventually in the future what I'd like and everybody would like is to expect those three four or five touchdown games and where people want him on their, their fantasy team and know that he's going to produce. But for now it's more so limit the mistakes, manage the game, allow the running backs to take control and then do what you can to help. That's a really good analysis there, Zach. And one last question for you here. Yes. Um, and this is kind of a historical question that leads into our predictions for this game. The Browns have not beaten the Philadelphia Eagles since November 13th, 1994. I was not alive. Um, but <laughs> that's how long ago that was. But Neither they did, was I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 95 guy over here. 26-7 um, to 7 win for the Browns. Their quarterback was Mark Repian. That was so long ago, his son is now in the NFL, or his nephew, I believe. Uh, do they break the 26-year dry spell this weekend? I think they do, and I believe that it's going to be another one of those games where it's not a perfect game by any means, and it's not a game where at the end of it you look back on it and you're like, wow, that was fantastic. I'm so impressed with Baker and he made all the right reads and had the aforementioned three or four touchdown passes or whatnot. But I do think the Browns will do enough at their home stadium to get the victory. Um, I, I don't think the Eagles are a very good team. And I do think that the Browns 
will carry the momentum from the Houston game and get that victory um, on Sunday. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Browns are going to win too. And that takes a lot for me to say as a Giants fan because um, it seems like anything that can go wrong will go wrong when it comes to the division. I still think Philadelphia is in the driver's seat right now. I'd say we went from about an 80-20 in favor of Philly to like a 70-30 in favor of Philly for that the NFC East right now. So I'm going to go Cleveland, but I think it's going to be very, very low scoring. James, anything you'd like to add on that? No. Um, I, I appreciate it. Some great insight tonight, you know, especially on the wide receiver and quarterback and the defense, you know, help me understand more about the Cleveland Browns than uh, somebody that just sees them pop up on TV, if you catch a few highlights, read a little bit about, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one more thing, the reason why this Eagles game is ex- extremely important is because of those, games late in the season um tennessee baltimore and pittsburgh are going to be really really tough games for this browns team and those all three could end up as losses so you got to beat the teams that are the bottom feeders lower class whatever you want to call them (laughs) (laughs) we will see the giants uh later in, in the year too and so, yeah, I, I just feel like uh, it's a game that the Browns will win, but it's a game that they must win in order to continue a trajectory towards the playoffs. I was just about to say, I mean, I think you guys are – I'm more sure that you guys beat Philadelphia than us right now. Um, and that's actually not bias. I mean, I think we're, we're a little better coached than Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia has more talent, but I think we're a little bit better coached. So I think that could present – more of a challenge with Joe Judge rather than Doug Peterson. You don't know what he's going to do at certain times of the game. So, um, yeah, I'd like to think our game is pretty close, too, in a few weeks. But, Zach, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We appreciate all the insight, and good luck to you on Sunday. Well, thank you so much for having me. Good luck to you both uh, with the rest of your season. And, um, yeah, once again, I had a – a blast uh, talking football with you guys. So thanks. Awesome, Zach. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care. Take care. That was Zach Shaffron, the founder and CEO of Cleveland Sports Talk. And, you know, we didn't even mention the tight ends with him. Austin Hooper, Hunter Bryant, Harrison Bryant. We could go on forever. But anyway, uh, let's bring up Gabe. Hello, Gabe. Welcome. Hey, guys. How are we doing tonight? Not too bad. What did you think of our guest there and Zach? Well, I don't know. I I just saw the last bit of it. Um, Not a lot of confidence in Baker Mayfield. I get that. But, uh, you know, you don't need to have confidence in the quarterback position when you have Kevin Stefanski calling your plays. Uh, The Vikings, with a Kevin Stefanski offense, made it to, um, to the NFC Championship with Case Keenum and that kind of style of offense. So... Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about Stefanski a lot, but I think he is yeah. the reason they have the success they have in Cleveland right now, for sure. 100%. And he was the last head coach hired in the offseason. So he, he, he filled the last head coaching vacancy. But anyway, let's get to our team of the week. Uh, and James, 
I'm going to start with you. And I feel like we could be going down a similar path here, but let's give it a shot. We could. Um, team of the week is going to be the Giants. Um, no big surprise there. Uh, Tom, I probably stole yours. Uh, either way, uh, we probably stole each other's in a sense. Um, but they finally beat the Eagles from when, from 2014, from when my senior year in high school, I think, and your freshman year of college. So a long, 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 long time. Um, so it's nice to see them get a W. They're headed in the right upward direction, not the downward direction that we've seen them go in so many years. Um, so Russo, um, he he is getting somewhat of, of hopefully a little bit enjoyment that led Tom as growing up as Giant fans, uh, seeing the team coming around, start winning again. Uh, so hopefully they are on the upward trend um, for him. Yeah. Him and I are a very Jekyll and Hyde duo when it when it comes to talking about the Giants. But uh, Gabe, you are next. Who is your team of the week this week? Oh, it's a no brainer. We saw it on Monday night. <laughs> not the Chicago the Bears. Bears? <laughs> no, no, not them. No, oh, okay. the uh, well, you could say they were the best team in terms of they helped Minnesota win that game. The Vikings, they were given. I mean, they were given the win. The, uh, the Bears look so bad. I don't know how to judge this win from Minnesota. Um, their defense obviously played well, but that is a high school caliber, like maybe a, a really good big high school in Texas caliber offense we looked at in Chicago. It's that bad. But the Vikings, without Dalvin Cook stealing the show, seeing how Kirk Cousins kind of responded to the adversity that was given to him with turnovers by Kyle Rudolph, a fumble by Adam Thielen. Well, an interception by Cousins, but was really a Thielen drop that led to the Khalil Mack interception before halftime. Kirk Cousins, I think, was the MVP ultimately of that game for their offense. Um, but yeah, the Vikings now go into a three-game stretch that are very winnable. Uh, they play the Cowboys, and one thing I wanted to mention, kind of, I would have liked to talk to your guest before about it, is how the Browns scored 49 points against the Cowboys with that Stefanski offense. And you're looking at a Gary Kubiak offense, which is basically what Stefanski runs, playing the Cowboys this week. So I expect Minnesota to completely tear apart that Cowboy defense. Robert Rose says, Joe Judge, now we have a coach we can have confidence in. I agree with Robert, and I agree with Gabe on the Minnesota Vikings. I was considering them as well. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. Why? They destroyed the Baltimore Ravens. No, I'm sorry. They beat they they beat the Baltimore Ravens. They beat yeah. Um, this was a swing game for me. I think for New England, it was very important that nobody picked them to win this game, and I mean nobody. They were at home. I mean, they've won the last two games all of a sudden, and I think this was a swing game for them in a sense where they could either be kind of like falling off the map, knowing they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Now they're back in the discussion at four and five, and remember. They still have to play the Jets again. They still have to play Miami again, and they still have to play. Uh, they still have to play uh, Buffalo again. So, you never know. I mean, this division you have Miami, um, and you have Buffalo. But as far as wild card spots goes, there's an extra team that's going to make the playoffs this year. And I'm not so confident in teams like the Browns, or you know, in teams even like the Ravens at this point. Like, I. 
it's just, they're just not the same. The Ravens are not the same team that they were last year. I mean, yes, they probably still make the playoffs as a wild card, but you can never count a Bill Belichick team out. And that's why they're my team of the week. They came together as a team and won this game. So that's my that's my team of the week. Not a very popular opinion here in the, in the New York area, but the facts are the facts. Uh, anyway, Gabe. I do like it, though. Yeah, you do? <laughs> I do. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I try I try to give credit where credit is due. But um, anyway, Gabe, congratulations. You have won our quick picks for the second week in a row. You have bring that up. come from down in the basement to basically you've been stomping all of us out lately. What's uh what's been cooking in that mind of Gabe Flayton? I'm telling you guys, it's, it's it hasn't changed all year. My picks have been very wild. I see your guys. I do the picks last every week, and I see what you guys pick, and I try to be the most opposite of your guys' picks. And you guys often have the more common sense approach to picking games. You go with the favorite most of the time. I've been throwing a lot of like the. I think it was the Arizona game um, this week. They were the only team that won. Uh, that you guys out of that picks. So I think we'll recap it in a little bit. But yeah, there's just all these games where I'm stealing that one team that you guys didn't pick. And I think that's the key to success is just uh, being different. <laughs> yeah. As far as the Arizona goes, the Arizona game goes, I was very back and forth on that game. Originally I had Arizona down and then switched it back to Buffalo, but I was very impressed with the way Buffalo played the week before. It was hard for me to really pick against them, but I mean, I could very well see Arizona winning that game as well. And they did. And quite frankly, they're a top five football team right now. And that's not even an exaggeration. That's a fact at this point point in the game and they're probably going to beat the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football. Um, I would strongly advise picking the Cardinals this week. Uh, that's just a, a little foreshadowing there, but Kyle Russo was the week 10 loser. As you can see, I have surpassed him for second place. I'm very proud of that. Uh, I had a good week <laughs> as well. Uh, I was only one game behind Gabe. I was 11 and three. Gabe was 12 and yeah. two. James and Kyle round out the rear at eight and six, but Everybody had a good week above 500. Kyle Russo's punishment will be recorded on Friday since he's not here tonight. He will be doing jumping jacks. Yes, he will. Filming himself doing jumping jacks while naming the entire Giants 53-man roster. So that should be a lot of fun to see. Um, not sure but, yeah, that's going to be very interesting, and I still hold this to myself. And this is a very humble brag right now. I have hit every single lock over the course of the first 10 weeks. And that record is still going strong. Um, but speaking of that Buffalo Bills, Arizona Cardinals game is James. I, I just want to show, in my opinion, yep. the play of the year so Go far. In uh, you want me to pull it up for you? Nope, I got it. All righty. Shotgun. Murray out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Six seconds. Murray heaves it downfield. It is. Oh, it's caught. It is caught. DeAndre Hopkins. Miraculous. It's Murray magic. And DeAndre Hopkins is the man who comes away with it. He went over the top of Tredavious White. 
Jordan Boyer came in late. He's got Micah Hyde on his back and catches it and possesses it all the way through. Look at those hands. We keep hearing about those 6X gloves that he wears for his large hands. How about how large and strong those hands are? You remember before the snap, I worried about Kyler Murray moving around too you got every possible look and angle that you needed from that catch. Kyler Murray's basically a center fielder throwing it up for grabs, and D-Hop brings it down in triple coverage. Thoughts on this play? Gabe, go Best Hail Mary of all time. I would say that might be the best one of all time. When we look at that, that just the Kyler Murray scramble, running to his left, I mean, almost out of bounds, Perfect spiral. Oh, my goodness. The throw. It's one of those things where the throw might have been just as good as the catch because that ball couldn't have been put in a better spot for yeah. uh, DeAndre Hopkins. It, it reminded me of that game we used to play in um in elementary school called Freedom Ball. I don't know if you remember that game. You And you throw it up to the person in the end zone and they jump up and catch it and it would be the jailbreak. Everybody would get out. It was always a jump ball. But, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, he, he would have been good at that game. Freedom Ball. <laughs> Yeah, his final stat line, seven catches, 127 yards, and one touchdown. And the Cardinals now are, thanks to a Hail Mary, in a three-way tie for first place in the NFC West with the Rams and the Seahawks. So this division is the best in the NFL in a lot of people's minds, but they're starting to beat each other up a lot where the teams are better than what their record shows. Maybe not for the Seahawks, but I, I think – for the Cardinals, at least, if they don't connect on that Hail Mary, they're five and four. We're saying they're a middle of the pack type of team, right? Now yeah. they're six and three heading into Thursday night football. We're sitting here saying, oh, they went from a top like 12 to 15 team to a top five team really, really fast. And don't get me wrong, Buffalo played a fantastic game. Cole Beasley had over 100 receiving yards. Yeah. Stefan Diggs had 10 plus catches as well. Both of those guys had a touchdown, James. So, you know, if I'm Buffalo, again, it's a devastating loss. It's a, it's a heartbreaking defeat, but I'm not mad at my team for the way they performed. No, I, if I'm a Buffalo fan, I wouldn't be mad at my team and I'll give you my reasons. One, because you played so tight against the Arizona Cardinals. You made it a very interesting game on Sunday. Um, number two, you would everybody thought when Buffalo scored, that's the end. Buffalo won the game. I'm either changing the channel or I can walk away to do whatever yeah. I, I, I need to get done before the next game. The fact that the Arizona Cardinals came back and won that is phenomenal. Yeah. The, there's nothing you could have done other um, than run the clock more and score. Mm-hmm. Like, realistically, like, I don't know. You're throwing it up to, uh, to a man that has D-Hop that has six XLs gloves. Like, his hands are huge. Yeah. Um, nothing you could have done wrong. You're looking good. You beat Seattle. You, you almost came close to Arizona, but it was a good win. Uh, it was it was it was a good win in Arizona. Unfortunately, it was a bad loss, just a crushing loss. But you're going to build off of that. You have to remember, you beat Seattle. You almost beat Arizona. Move on to the next week. Continue rolling. I just wanted to update everybody 
before we move on to the next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves just selected Anthony Edwards, yep. shooting guard out of Georgia. So I am one for one now on picks in the 2020 NBA draft. So me and remember, uh, me and Paul Lombardi did a uh, NBA draft preview video earlier. It's up on YouTube. Make sure to go check it out and subscribe. Smash the like button at Review Preview Sports. We went on for about an hour and a half previewing tonight's NBA draft, and I think we're going to see a lot of chaos, but congratulations to Anthony Edwards. Well-deserved. Uh, Gabe, do you have any you have any comments on that? Yeah, uh, on the NBA draft or on the Bills? Ga- on the Bills. <laughs> either, either or. We're both. Oh, yeah. No, I'll go with the Bills. i not going to lie. That was totally news to me that the NBA draft was tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's go to the Bills, actually. Um, they are like the shootout. Just the fact that these games are shootouts doesn't make me comfortable with how the Bills are going to be come playoff time. The way this team is geared, I, there's a lot of teams out there right now who play in shootout type styles. You have the Cardinals, you have the Chiefs, the Raiders like shootouts, even the Lions. We were talking about the Lions. The Lions are a team that beat the Cardinals because the Cardinals like to run and gun. And I, I don't know if that's the kind of style you're not going to see a Super Bowl matchup be 44 to 34 like the Bills beat the Seahawks. And just like with the Seahawks, you see all these super talented teams right now that are not playing defense. Or is it that their offense is just so explosive and scores so quick that their yeah. defense is trying to play like two minute defense all the time because other teams are throwing it so much? It's a really right. weird dynamic with the NFL this year that I haven't really seen before. That's that's an interesting light to it there, Gabe. I, I, I like your take on that. A um, couple other games will just skim through because they weren't very close. Uh, Pittsburgh beat Cincinnati at home 36-10. to 10. They have now won eight straight against the Bengals. Chase Claypool had two touchdowns. Juju and Deontay Johnson each had one off of Big Ben's four TD passes. More than likely comeback player of the year. Yeah. Uh, and Bengals rookie wide receiver T. Higgins with 115 receiving yards. He continues to shine. The Las Vegas Raiders improve to 6-3, and three, beating their division foe, Denver Broncos, out in the AFC West. Vegas has now won five straight home games against Denver. Broncos had five turnovers, including four interceptions by quarterback Drew Locke. Raiders running back Josh Jacobs plows into the end zone for two touchdowns. But now let's get into the Seahawks-Rams game. I want to spend a little time on this. The Rams beat the Seahawks 23-16. to They've now won five out of their last six. It did come at the expense of starting left tackle Andrew Whitworth, who will likely miss the next month and a half to two months with an MCL. But Russell Wilson, guys, had an awful game, three turnovers. Are we really surprised by this result and how this game went into the Rams' favor? Because I'm not at all. No, because – the Seahawks don't have a very strong defense um, at times. That the Rams just have a very high-powered offense. Um, mm-hmm. Also, a, more of a dumb, confusing play, in my opinion, yeah. was I forget what quarter it was in. Russell Wilson had nearly 20 yards. He could have probably even scored the touchdown in front of him. Green grass. And he decides to throw it across his body, across field for an interception. I don't understand. If you want to be an MVP winner 
you're you're pretty much at the MVP caliber quarterback. If you want to be a winner, you you shouldn't be making those plays like that. You should take. Yeah. You should know for being in this league for so long. You should know to just you had twenty yards in front of him. Get the twenty yards, run out of bounds. You're still good. That's we've my seen opinion. this. We've seen this, James and Tom, in like every Seahawks game this year. It it comes down to the wire every game they play because Russell Wilson, for every magical thing he does, he makes a really dumb mistake. And it happened in the Vikings game. It happened in the Cardinals game where he had a turnover a pick to Eric Wilson that really should have sealed the game at the time in that Viking game. And then the Cardinals game, he basically handed them like the win at the end, even though he had such a beautiful game outside of his turnovers. It's it's a weird it's kind of it's strange because he does so much good yet can is capable of making a lot of mistakes uh, and it's just what you have to deal with when you're when you're uh, a, a Seahawks fan it seems like this year. Yeah, you know that's a good point. Seahawks have had a Swiss cheese defense to say the least. Jamal Adams getting hurt again, so they have not been good at all. Um, and you know Bobby Wagner. KJ, I mean, those guys could only do so much. But um, let's talk about the last team in the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. They fall to the New Orleans Saints 27-13. to The Niners have now lost three straight games. However, Drew Brees did fracture a couple of ribs and has a collapsed lung, or did. He's feeling better now, but he will miss some time. And Jameis Winston will start for the next few weeks and James is shaking his head because he has drew Brees in fantasy and was unable to successfully claim Jameis Winston this morning. So you had to sign Joe Flacco instead. And now you're sitting here real pissed off at my little brother who was upstairs laughing at his phone right now that he picked them up. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I really <laughs> went after Jameis Winston. You oh, would definitely put a claim in for him though. I might've I'm trying, I put in a few claims this week. You're second um, on the waiver priority, so I hope to God that you did. Uh, only because I, I, I probably did, but then I probably also rethought it. Only because they like to do that two quarterback set, mm-hmm. and to pick up one guy and then oh, we're going to run Taysom Hill out there the whole entire game, and it'd be like, what the hell? Um, mm-hmm. But. It hurts to see Drew Brees go down with a collapsed lung and fractured ribs. Not only because he's on my fantasy team, but also for the New Orleans Saints themselves. He was playing some pretty good football before he got injured. I mean, his medical team at home looks pretty good. They look pretty knowledgeable on what they're doing. I don't know if you guys saw the picture he posted, but he seems like his medical team's taking care of him. You guys know what I'm referring to? I haven't seen that actually. Oh, it's the Instagram picture with his yeah. kids going on. With yeah. his kids. Oh, that's yeah. funny. He's he, I love Drew Brees. He's he's a stand up dude. But when we look at that hit, it wasn't even a dirty hit. That might be the most concerning thing when you think about the injury was how serious. That's like a car accident type injury. Um, and it was just a clean. In my opinion, it was a clean hit. Uh, I know he got there was a roughing the passer penalty, but it was really. It was in the chest, obviously, or in the rib area. Um, and four four years ago, that isn't a roughing the passer. But he got up, and I think he finished that drive too, which is unreal. Uh, but with Jameis Winston, I kind of hope now Mike Thomas becomes more of a threat 
Mike Thomas isn't hasn't been given a lot of help from Drew Brees simply because Drew Brees can't really air the ball out like he used to be able to. I think this is a huge opportunity for Jameis Winston on Sunday. He has the ability to, you know, take the Saints team in and they're going to have a tough game against the Atlanta Falcons. This is a divisional game that's not going to be easy. The Falcons have won uh, two games in a row all of a sudden since starting off one and six. So, you know, it's it's something to take into consideration now that the Saints on paper, I believe they're the – I want to say, yeah, they're the number one team in the NFC right now. They're seven and two. They would have the first round by, but yeah. and they have the two wins over Tampa Bay already, which is really, really key for their division. So they're going to need Winston to ball out, and this is a huge opportunity for him to prove himself that hey, I could be the quarterback of the future when Breeze is gone. You know, like I'm that guy. I'll be a Teddy Bridgewater, but I'll sit behind him, and you know, we'll see what happens. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see another game that featured two young quarterbacks this weekend, uh, the Chargers and the Dolphins. Two Otago Vailoa is now 3-0 and in the NFL, and the Dolphins are 6-3 and for the first time since 2001 with their 29-21 win off of Justin Herbert. Again, both quarterbacks were impressive, but one's winning and one's not. That's just the simplest way to put it right now. Yeah, the key to that game was just shutting down Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen had his probably what was his least productive game in the last five weeks. So that Dolphin defense zeroed in on him. Without Austin Eckler, there's not a lot of weapons on that offense. Justin Herbert, his performance this year with really just one really good receiver is unreal. He he wills this team to over 20 points every week. He's He's spectacular. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Chargers now because they play the Jets this weekend, and looks like Kalen Balaj is going to be starting at running back and getting majority of the touches over rookie Josh Kelly. And Kalen Balaj was on the Jets briefly this year for a game, I believe. So that'll be fun to watch. And if you, know, you want to put in a lock this week, you may want to bet on Justin Herbert and the Chargers, especially since Sam Darnold will not be starting. Um, What's his deal? What's Sam? Why is he injured every week? What's his injury? I being on the Jets. Yeah, <laughs> he's healed from the AC joint at this point, but it's just really sad to watch the misery of Sam Darnold. I think it's is it a quad issue? I'm looking it up right now. It might be a quad issue. All I know is Joe Flacco starting somewhere. and. Uh, Knee, uh, no. knee? No, not knee. Sorry. Ignore that. Keep going. Oh, okay. uh, Joe Flacco starting for them um, against the Chargers. I expect the Chargers defense to have a big game. Um, Joe Flacco does fit right now. It seems like fits in at least the game he did play in. I don't know come game two if it's going to be the same. Um, I'm sure the Jets oh. fans don't want them to win to keep that number one pick. Did you find it yet, Tom? Or out indefinitely with a shoulder injury. Oh, that's right. Because I think he was taken out a few weeks ago because he was landed on his shoulder wrong. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So well, we'll see. this report was updated just two days ago. So you could even make the argument: Does Sam Darnold even come back this season? Like, is that the last we've seen of him as a New York Jet? Like, but potentially at this point. 
a lot of people are saying Sam Darnold may be in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform next next year. We don't know that, but right now it's looking pretty darn good for number one overall. And Hank comments saying, just put Sam Darnold on a real team and save him from Case. Unfortunately, I think Ace will be gone before Sam Darnold is gone. So we will see what happens. And I am so glad we did not draft him back in 2018. But uh, I know, Gabe, you talked about your Vikings a lot last night. Actually, before we get there, the New England Patriots beating the Ravens 23-17. to uh, The Ravens have now scored fewer than 20 points for the first time in the last 32 games. We talked about the Ravens a couple moments ago. And then the Vikings and the Bears gave Kirk Cousins his first career Monday night football win. Uh, congratulations. The Vikings win their third game in a row. And all of a sudden, uh, the Vikings – Playoffs is not out of the question right now at four and five. Uh, Chicago has now lost four straight after five and one after a five and one start. And they lost Nick Foles, carted off in the final minutes of the game. Now they have Tyler Bray as their new quarterback. And if you want a live reaction of that, please check out Andy Hopper's Brew Party Instagram so that you can see him express his displeasure about the current state of the Chicago Bears. Um, yeah, not to interrupt, but the Hornets did pick LaMelo Ball. Three um, for three, baby. Three for then, three. So, uh, just Wiseman Warriors, right? Huh? James, James Wiseman. Yeah, Warriors. he went to the Warriors. Yep. So, I just wanted to throw that in there uh, before we continued. Sorry, there's a little yeah. comp- competition how long you could go perfect. <laughs> that's funny it's it's hard i mean if you it was what the draft eight years ago and the Cavs took anthony bennett who predicted that one i mean it's hard with the nba probably more than the nfl sometimes but uh back to the bears yeah andy Hopper. i talked to him on monday night after the game and he was he was uh shaken up about the loss i i on the other hand was pretty excited i mean the vikings are on the up and up clearly and uh it's it's a team. It was a team win, and the Bears are losing as a team as well. So it's kind of like, well, I would just say it's mostly their offense, but their defense didn't do them a ton of favors in that game either, really. Um, but yeah, you said Nick Foles' injury is he was carted off. It's not actually as serious, apparently. Good for him because, uh, or good for me too, because if he's starting quarterback for them, then they're still going to be losing. So he's day, he's day to day right now, actually, with like a glute injury, some like weird upper leg injury. I think he just didn't want to get up. I think he didn't want to get up because he just didn't want to play anymore. He was like, I'm done. I just want to yeah. go home. <laughs> it's definitely frustrating if you're part of that Bears offense. And Andy Hopper commented earlier on the stream that he would like to see Joe Brady become. If I can find it. For everybody, got it. So that just the visual uh, evidence right there for you, Gabe. So you can very well see him in your division soon. But uh, let's preview week 11 here briefly, guys. Um, I know it, it's a difficult week to really pick games. I mean, you got the Cardinals Seahawks tomorrow night on Thursday night football. Then you got the Titans and the Ravens. You got the Eagles and the Browns. That's not going to be easy. And then you got the Packers at the Colts. And Gabe, you know, I I, I kind of want your insight on this game because this this just smells like a loss for Green Bay. I, I don't yeah. see them performing well in this game. 
Yeah, your instincts are very correct. I, I would agree. It's the Colts. They dominated two NFC or all all the NFC North teams thus far this year. Um, and this game, I don't think will be any different for the reason that Dante or in this game, um, Devonte Adams. There's one thing I think the Packers will succeed, and that's Devonte Adams getting going up against his former nemesis Xavier Rhodes. I think they'll find luck there, but. Aaron Jones hasn't been fully healthy. And this Indianapolis Colts pass rush with DeForest Buckner is lethal. Don't expect them to win this game just by throwing the ball. The Colts still have a very good pass defense. Alan Lazard coming back might help the Packers just a bit. But when you look at how the Colts win games, it's by taking the air out of the ball, by running the ball so well and efficiently. We saw what teams have done by running the ball really well, whether it be Ronald Jones with the Buccaneers or Dalvin Cook with the Vikings. The recipe to beating this Packers team is a healthy dose of the run game so that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the ball in his hands. And I think Phillip Rivers and Jonathan Taylor are going to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands enough for them to win this game. I do think Wilkins will get a lot of touches too, and then Naheem Hines will probably get a piece of the pie. So it's hard for me to trust Jonathan Taylor from a fantasy perspective this week, especially if you're in a PPR league. But I think he's definitely a good desperation flex play if if you need somebody in there. But if you have better options, I would still avoid him. Now, I understand the Packers are the worst run defense in football at the moment, but I would still avoid Jonathan Taylor because he's been trending. He's actually been trending down the last three weeks. So that'll be very interesting to kind of analyze as you know we hit Sunday through that game um what else do we got I I want to add on that Naheem Hines sorry to interrupt you Tom I was going to say Naheem Hines I actually think would is going to be the guy you want to go to because when you go back to that Viking game Dalvin Cook was lethal in the screen game that passing game for him was where he had all of almost almost half of his total yards it seemed like so Maybe go with Naheem Hines, a guy who's got a more versatility. I think that could be great for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a really good point. The Chiefs and the Raiders, I think the Chiefs are going to win that. Although they are on the road, I just can't see the Chiefs being swept by the Raiders. Although um, I do remember a year that the Raiders went 8-8. Eight and eight. They were 6-0 and oh in the AFC West, and they still missed the playoffs. So that was, that was fun to analyze. But uh, – to, to me, personally, this is my game of the week. The Rams at the Bucks, And I believe that is a Monday night football game where Tampa Bay, they're coming off a dominating win against the Carolina Panthers. And the Rams are coming off a really good win against the Seahawks. And this is going to be a tough game for me to uh, break down. But I think the Bucks defense is probably going to help them towards victory. I don't think Brady's numbers are as good this week because the Rams also have a sharp defense. But I could see this game going either way. I think the home field and the Bucks defense is going to help them out big time on Monday night. I would happen to agree. That, that Monday night game is going to probably be a shootout. Yeah, I think I think the Rams have the edge in this one. If I were to pick a winner right now on the spot, I just think Tom Brady Tom Brady this year in prime time hasn't looked too hot and the Rams have done pretty well in prime time. Um it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it'll be very fun to watch and then of course I just want to mention a couple of things on the Jets as well. 
for you Jets fans that are watching. You did claim uh, Gabe's old guard and Pat Elfline off waivers. Just started one game for the Vikings. I mean, I I don't I don't even know if he's good enough to start on the Jets. <laughs> honestly, Gabe, if you you have yeah. any any comments on good hey, old Pat, he's, he's he's washed up, man. He's he's clearly he's washed up. If he couldn't win his starting job back from Drew Samia. Um, it's it's a shame. It's a shame, and I, I really hope in the future we can find uh, two go- two good guards. So it's funny. So they got Pat Elfline, and we have the guy that they didn't want, Dakota Dozier. That's the guy they dumped. So we're just trading our crappy offensive lineman, basically. <laughs> and we just activated Rich Jones. If you remember Rich Jones, your center from maybe like two years ago that you guys Brett, traded Brett. to us. Brett Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we just activated him to the fifty three man roster. So maybe see, we might see him at guard a little more. He should still be starting at center for us. I don't know why you guys haven't used him much, but I think we haven't you know, put him in the game once while we've had him. Yeah. We have not used him. We should play. That's my opinion. Like he was really good for us. He's a Canadian guy, so play that he played in the CFL. He's very physical, so he's a little undersized. But I, I mean, I think better than Pat Elfline. Anyway. Um. So is Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury is a very undersized center too, and he's been great in the screen game and out in the open space. I think uh, when you see our offensive line, Ezra Cleveland getting really uh, just penetrated on every week, I think we should see more of, of Jones. Yeah, no, I agree. Other moves the Jets have made, they release cornerback Pierre Desir, and they place other cornerback Brian Poole on IR with a knee injury. And then their other quarterback, Bless. Austin is still banged up, so I could see the Chargers winning by at least ten points, and that's that's being that's being generous, guys. I, I don't see the Jets being competitive in this game. Uh, I think the Jets have about a fifty percent chance of going zero and sixteen at this point. Uh, I'm not very confident on their chances of getting a win. Agreed. There's not a Jets fan in your room, Gabe. Your eyes just <laughs> gravitated. No, I was looking. I was looking for a coin. I was like, I was just uh, about to flip a coin and to make this judgment right here. I I would trust that. I think that's a fair judgment. Fifty percent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then speaking of which, one other thing I want to point out this week. So you you may have noticed we we posted something about Jake Carlock, who uh, is a former Giant who was on our practice squad for a while, Division two player out of LIU. Uh, the same school. I actually got to work with Jay Carlock during my time at LIU, interviewed him a couple of times, and uh, great to see a Long Island kid from North Babylon High School who made his way up the ranks. And, you know, get he. I know he got cut from the Giants practice squad, signed by the Miami Dolphins, cut again, and then didn't really get any looks this year due to the pandemic. But it's great to see him find a new home in Atlanta. And Jay Carlock holds a special place in my heart because he'll forever be remembered for this play in a preseason game just one year ago. Working it out, the timing with his offensive line. Webb's pass, batted and intercepted. There's a flag on the play, but it was tipped and returned for a touchdown by Jake Carlock, the rookie from Long Island. Number 65, Pelley's decline. Is all the play is a touchdown. How about that from Carlock from LI? Where, where's Carlock? Holy smokes. Yeah.
just thank him for the opportunity and the ball of my brothers. Gabe, I can see you smiling from that grin displayed by Pat Shermer in that locker room celebration. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. Um, Pat Shermer obviously didn't have a great career in New York, but that was a really nice that was a really nice moment. Uh, why? It, I'm surprised that man didn't make it on a team sooner with that athleticism at the defensive end position or or outside linebacker. That guy had some some speed, like a hybrid, like. Pass rusher, I I like the way that guy made that play. He um he's really good at a lot of things. He was a hybrid type of player for us. He can rush the passer, he can play uh, linebacker, he could play safety, but he wasn't good enough at any of those positions to stick. So what he's been doing, um, well, he's really been doing it since he was on the Giants and the offseason last summer was he's getting reps at long snapper. He was our backup long snapper for a while to Zach Diossi, but he didn't stick. So how are you going to make your way in the NFL? Why not try long snapping, especially in a year like this during a pandemic where teams are looking? Yeah. The Vikings could use a long snapper right now. We just had the worst long snapping (laughs) performance ever in the last two weeks. You can't spell cutting without cut, as they say. Um, (laughs) And nothing will compare to Trey Junkin, though. That is a living nightmare for Giants fans still alive 18 years ago to the date where we should have beaten the San Francisco 49ers in that playoff game back in 2002. Yeah. Uh, that was brutal. But anyway, good, real feel-good moment there for Jake Carlock. Um, let's see. Do we have anything else to talk about here? No, that's it. Oh. So, Gabe, James, anything you guys would like to add before we sign off? Uh, it's fun show tonight, Tom. Brought back some memories of me and you in the studio. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed, um, but at least on my screen, to I'm trying to point it out, but it our new R&P logo up on oh, the yeah. top corner. Uh, Tom made it the other day. Um, let us know how you like it. We all love it here in, uh, from our perspective, so uh, hopefully it looks good from yours. It was a fun show tonight. Gabe, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm really yeah. looking forward to Russo's punishment because it gives him some exercise from laying in bed all day doing Zoom classes. Um, and and tweet, uh, he, t- tweeting off his thumbs all day, too. You know, he's, yep. he's got to give the rest of his body some exercise. <laughs> or giving us the fake news on Bogdan Bogdanovich on yep. Monday night at like and 1 James o'clock Harden. in the morning <laughs> to, to find out the Bogdanovich trade didn't go through. So Milwaukee gets half its bench back. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, oh, we man. love Kyle. Um also, make sure to check out Gabe's latest episode of the North Pole yes. last night where he got to interview Max Keller of the NFC North Report. Uh, nice kid, young kid, only a sophomore in high school, and that video is up on YouTube at our channel at Review Preview Sports. Make sure to check that out. Yes. So, and Gabe, out- that was a – yeah. Go ahead, James. you have anything check out, else? Uh, check out Big Blue tomorrow, too. you got an action-packed show. Yeah, so tomorrow I'm going to be speaking with uh, Sam Cardona from The Girl Who Talks Sports, who uh, you know is connected with Gabe, and then her friend Sporty Jordy. I believe her name is Jordan Courtney. She is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. We're going to recap the Giants' huge win over them tomorrow from 7 to 8.30 p.m. They'll be joining us around 7.30, so I hope you guys get to watch that out. Uh, hopefully – Sporty Jordy isn't overwhelmed. The three-on-one handicap match between the <laughs> Giants and Eagles fans in the studio. So that should be a whole 
lot of fun. But Gabe and James, thank you very much for joining me tonight. On behalf of both of you, I'm Tom Scavetta saying good evening. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Good night, everybody.